0: If you have your Bible and we're continuing on, I just turn over to the Book of Ruth, if you would. It's a wonderful book. I know it's a favorite of so many. There's so many precious truths, and it's a wonderful story. It's a true story, but it's it's real. It speaks of uh, reality. It speaks of tragedy. It speaks of so many things. But you know, when we see God just uh, tying His hand the whole way through the. The the whole story, we see the faithfulness of God. We see the the amazing, redeeming love of God. And we see God's purposes. And you know, the Bible says in Romans 8 and 28, For we know that all things, would you say "all all things? All things work together for good to them that love the Lord and are called according to His purpose. All things. Say it again to make sure you believe it this morning. All things. All things. That's the good, and that's the not-so-good, and that's sometimes even in the darkest of night, but the Word of God says, all things work together for good to them that love the Lord and are called according to His purpose. Ruth chapter 3, verse 18. Would you stand with me just for this one verse? Could we all read it audibly together? If you can, uh, stand. Ruth chapter 3 and verse 18. We want to read this one verse together. Ruth 3 and 18. Then said she, Sit still, my daughter, until I know how the matter will fall. For the man will not be in rest until he have finished the thing this day. You may take your seats. Praise the Lord. This, this book, for I would say for most in this room would know the detail of it, Uh, I know it particularly well, but if you don't mind, I just want to again recap, if we could, of this amazing story and bring forth just what the Lord would say to us through uh, this wonderful book over these weeks. You know, it it opens there, if you turn into chapter 1, the beginning of the book there in chapter 1, verse 1, it tells us that the period of time that the book was penned, and it was in the days when the judges ruled. And again, you, you know these things very well. But just to recap again on these things, the judges, during the time of the judges and they ruled, it was a time very much of cycles of, of uh, the judgment of God upon the nation. And so they would fall under the hand of the enemy and destruction. And then God would raise up judges and those judges would come with the word of the Lord And God would move miraculously. And the heart of God's always shown to draw his people back to himself. God is a God that wants to draw men and women to himself through the cross. The great love of Jesus is not that men would be scattered and pushed away, but the lost and the lonely, as we are singing this morning, would find a place, the solitary would be placed in the family of God. That's still the heart of God. He hasn't changed. God is love and that's his great purpose. And even if you're sitting in this congregation this morning, you know, you can sit in a group of people, but feel the most loneliest person on the world. But, you know, I want to tell you the, of the reality of God, that God's purpose is to bring you in to that place, that large place, that you know his great love and the comfort of the Holy Spirit. And so the judges are ruling at this time, And the Bible tells us, or if you look at that verse first, that there was a famine in the land. Now, when you understand, particularly in the scripture, that when famine comes, that was always a sign of the judgment of God upon the nation. God had made promises to Israel. If you go way back, Deuteronomy chapter 20, it's a wonderful chapter of God's purpose for Israel. You walk in my way and the blessing of the Lord will be upon you. I'll bless the land. I'll bless, the land will be fruitful. There'll be an abundance if you walk in my way. And then God said, if you depart from my word and you depart from my way, then he tells them what comes upon them. And there was the blessings and the curse. And God revealed that to Israel as his people in the Old Testament, that that's the life that he desired them to live. But his way was always to prosper them. And so when we read here that there was a famine in the land, that means this was a time when judgment, God was judging the land because the people had turned away from the Lord. There was an apostasy. And there was, there was a, a, a time when God had brought a judgment because God's people had turned away from him and famine ravished the land. That's the judgment of God. And, you know, friends, I, I believe in the day that we are living that the nation that we are a part of and the nations of the world are under the judgment of God. Not the final judgment, but the judgment, the chastisement of the Lord is upon this nation If you're watching what's happening, and don't get too fixated upon the the things that we're hearing as far as the current climate that we're in, but the, the, the chastening hand of the Lord is upon this nation. It's upon the United States of America, these nations that have known great prosperity in the gospel and great blessing of the Lord because they were founded upon and they reverenced and they feared the Lord. Now we've seen in a generation as that nation has turned away from the Lord, we are seeing then as these things are sweeping across our land, that this is the judgment of God upon our nation. God is chastening the nation at this time. There is a famine. It may not be that which is of uh, in the physical of food, but there is a famine of the word of God or the hearing of the word of the Lord that men don't hear what God is saying and there's a turning away from the things of God and so we're experiencing just like in in this time there was a physical famine we're very much in the same hour we're experiencing a famine in a spiritual sense and you know when famine comes and we have seen this over the past number of years you've witnessed it if you go way back even remember the time of the Arab Spring and that seems so long ago when we watched As there was a rising up all across the Middle East nations. And we've seen then famine and judgment come upon many of those nations as they imploded. And then what happens at that time is people begin to migrate. They begin to emigrate across lands and seas and nations. Why? Because they're starved of the bread. They're starved of food. And we've watched it. We witnessed it. And we're still seeing it today. As families will make the most horrendous of journeys. Oh, we're blessed this morning, brothers and sisters. That's probably what I'm trying to say. We're so blessed this morning. And whatever people think, you know, we see families gathering their their wee ones together and getting into a boat that's not even safe, but because they're being driven by the circumstances of where they are to try and find a better life. And friends, if a famine like that came to this land, a father and a mother would do exactly the same thing to preserve their children. But we've been living under the blessing and the good hand of the Lord for many, many years. And now God's beginning to bring a chastisement to this nation. And so in this story, verse 2 tells us that Elimelech as the man of that home, and his wife Naomi and their two sons, Malin and Chilean, they left that land and they came into the country of Moab and continued there. And so the reason that they're moving is because of the chastening hand of the Lord upon the nation. There was a judgment that had come, so they began to move. And they moved into the country of Moab, the land of Moab. And when they get there, this is the story, and it's a It's a story, it's a book that's open that tells you the reality of what happened in their lives. It tells us here as they arrive in that land, Elimelech, Naomi's husband died, and she was left, and her son, and her two sons. So we see immediately, as we're seeing the hand of the Lord, we're seeing the judgment upon the nation because Israel has turned against the Lord. And now we see as this man has taken his family to go and search to preserve them, And they come into the land of Moab. Tragedy strikes. And it tells us here that Elimelech, he dies. And so Naomi's left a widow with her two sons. And we know this very well. But I want to recap uh, just very quickly this morning. Verse 4 says the two sons uh, took them wives of the women of Moab. The name of the one was Orpah. And the name of the other was Ruth. And they dwelt there, the Bible says, ten years. So now they're in a foreign land. The two sons, it looks of those things, are beginning to be on the up and they get two wives from the land of Moab. And we see here then tragedy is going to strike a second time. Verse 5 says that Malan and Chilion died, um, also both of them, and the woman was left of her two sons and her husband. And here we see again that this family are plunged into the depths of bereavement and despair. And then it tells us in verse 6, and just follow this if you would this morning. Then she arose with her daughters-in-law, that she might return from the country of Moab. Now she's about to take another journey. For she had heard, I want you to listen very carefully this morning. For she had heard in the country of Moab how that the Lord had visited his people in giving them bread. I want to tell you something. That is an awesome verse. That is a powerful moment. Here is 10 years of, and previous to that, the famine, the judgment, the moving. We see her coming into that land with her husband. We see the tragedy that comes that the death of her husband, Elimelech. We see her sons marry these two two ladies. And now her two sons are dead. She's living in the land of Moab. Then one day, one day after all these years of, of being in a place of brokenness and of, of a, of a broken heart, there, there's someone or somehow or something, someone comes and whispers into the ear of Naomi. Naomi, listen, it's time to go back. It's time to return to Bethlehem. That's the place, the house of bread where Christ was born. He's the bread of life. It's time to return. And someone whispered into her spirit that the Lord has visited his people. God has come and visited his people and he's given them bread. He's given them the bread that they were looking for. This must have been a moment. I don't know if you can, but I try to, and I often do, but I tried to think for a moment, tried to put myself in the very shoes of Naomi. You know, everyone lives their their own individual life and they have their race that's set before them and the trials and the tribulations and the difficulties that every person goes through in life. Mountain tops, valleys, good times and times where there's brokenness or mourning. It's all very real and it's very personal to the individual. But if you can just stop for a moment and perhaps just put your shoe, put yourself in the shoes of Naomi. She's buried her husband. She's buried her two sons. They have moved into this land to try and preserve. But death has come not once but three times. And over that 10-year period, that life has been so broken. We know that she wanted to be called Mara. That means bitterness when she came back because of the life and the affliction that's gone through. But I want to ask you this morning to just think about that. What do you think happened in the depths of that woman's heart when she just heard these words? There's bread, there's bread in the land. The Lord has visited His people. The Lord has come and has visited Bethlehem. The Lord has broke through, and the bread of heaven has come. There's life, there's sustenance, there's everything of what you need, Naomi. And it's back in Bethlehem. You need to return to your homeland. You need to come back again. I tell you, friends, I I believe this, but we're not. When those words of life entered into her spirit and into her heart. I believe that Naomi sprung up to her feet. Said there were two daughters-in-law. I'm going back. I'm going back to that place where I know the Lord has visited his people. The bread of heaven has come down. There's life in Bethlehem. There's bread for everyone. There's enough for us all to come. Let us rise and let us go. We cannot sit here and we cannot die. But God has visited his people and surely it's the cry of all of our hearts in these desperate times that we're living in that we want to hear the spirit of the Lord whisper into the hearts of men and women that there's bread in my house. That there is hope in Jesus Christ. That there's life. That you'll find Jesus if you go to that place of worship. Whatever the name on the door may be. But if you go into that house, I want to tell you in that house, there's the bread of life. The Lord has visited His people. The Lord is in the midst. The Lord our God is mighty in the midst of His people. No matter how broken. No matter how bruised. No matter how much of the powers of darkness. Darkness and sin have ruined that life, and you come through those doors with all the weight and all the cares of the world and all the tragedies that have taken place. But when you come into that house, there's bread in the house because the Lord has visited his people. Friends, you know, it's just simply this morning. I'm not going to, I don't think I'm going to preach long. I don't know, but I'm just going to say this morning, do you know if that. If the Holy Spirit whispered into the hearts, listen, just think about it. If the Holy Ghost whispered into the hearts of every home in Balnahenge this morning, and wherever estate you come from, wherever time, whether it be Belfast or Newton Ard or Jamore or, or down by Kilkeel or wherever it is down in Cookstown or St. Field, wherever it is, but of the Holy Ghost. This morning he's not bound by guidelines. He's not bound by the laws of men. But this morning if the Holy Ghost came into the hearts of men because he has the right to, into the conscience of man because that's what he did, bring the conviction of sin and whispered into the hearts of the broken lives all around his suicidal and despair, bound with sin and shame and iniquity, held captive by the part of Satan, but the Holy Ghost whispered into their hearts, The Lord has visited His people. There's bread in this house. I want to tell you, friends, there's not enough church buildings in Balnehinch or beyond it that's going to be able to contain the harvest that will come. You see, there was bread. There was bread. What happened? Why did God visit them? You know, Naomi was not there in the visitation. She came back because there was a visitation. That's why She came. She heard that there was a visitation amongst God's people. What is it that happened? That the Lord of heaven, the glory of God, the bread of life came to Israel. I believe, friends, that there was a people at that time. Because if you know anything, and you know how God works, and you know in Deuteronomy 28 and the principles of God throughout all of history, of how he deals with his people. But I believe there was a people, his people, his people, that got into a place with him and said, Lord, we need to humble ourselves before you. There was a people that prayed. There was a people that began to seek his face when the judgment was on the land. There was a people, his people, turned. They turned from their wicked ways. And what did he say? He, would do? he says, I'll hear from heaven. I'll forgive your sin. And what will I do? I'll bring healing to your nation. You see, that's must, that has to happen. That's how God works. God's people humbled themselves. They turned away from their wickedness and their wicked way. They've offended God. They've offended a holy God. God's people did. And when they began to get on their knees and humble themselves and cry out to God and pray and to seek his face, God says, I'll hear from heaven. And you know what I'll do? I'll forgive your sin. And you know what I'll do? I'll heal your nation. Now our land needs healed. She heard, she heard there was a visitation. Friends, I want to tell you what we need. We need to hear the Spirit of God saying that the Holy Ghost, the Lord of Heaven, has visited His people. We need a visitation from Heaven. We need God to come in this hour. We need God, the bread of Heaven, to break forth and to come into the midst that there's bread in the house of God. Because there's a lot of broken lives, isn't there? Have you ever seen it so broken? Even in all their rebellion, and all their anger, and all their hate. And Brother Stephen would share it with that man on Wednesday night, a man filled with rage, and filled with anger, filled with the devil himself. Friends, he just needs to hear, and I believe he also seen it. There's bread in this house. There's bread in this house," he says. "Is there any other man like you? Because I've never met any people like you." There's bread. There's bread. See, Jesus says, "I am the bread of life." A visitation of the Lord. A visitation. Think about it. She heard. Oh, friends, think about it this morning. I know so often we can, we can. Sing the songs of revival and pray revival and preach revival. But just allow these words to fall, the seed to fall into your heart. The Lord has visited his people. How we need a visitation of the Lord. How we need the visitation of the most. You see, when he visits, it's always life and liberty. Just remember that when you find the patterns through Scripture, and I began to look at the patterns of the visitations of the Lord, every time there's birth and there's liberty. Every time he visits, there's births and there's liberty. That's what he does. He sets people free. He whom the Son sets free is free indeed. He sets the prisoner free. He's the one that comes To those that are bound or barren or broken. The barren womb. Know what happens to the barren womb. Doesn't matter what age you are. But he brings forth life. If you look at it the whole way through. I don't turn to it but I'll go through them quickly. But Genesis 21. The Lord visited Sarah. And the Lord did unto Sarah as he had spoken. For she conceived birth. We need a visitation of the Lord. The Lord, 1 Samuel 2.21, visited Hannah. She conceived. There's a burden. It tells us of Zacharias, the father of John. He was filled with the Holy Ghost and prophesied. Remember, he was struck dumb. But then when his name was pronounced and his mouth was opened and he believed the Lord, it says, blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and he has redeemed his people. A visitation of the Lord. Aaron says in Exodus 4 he spoke all the words of the Lord which had spoken to Moses and the signs in the sight of the people and And the people believed when they heard that the Lord had visited the children of Israel. What did he do? He come to set them free. Life and liberty in Christ. Friends may it not be said of us or said of this land or said of this generation and you can turn to this one Luke chapter 19 if you would. May it not be said of us, and may it not be said of this generation like it was of Jerusalem in his day, Luke chapter nineteen and verse forty-one. When he came, Luke nineteen forty-one, and when he was come near, you know these words are awesome words, but when he come near, he beheld the city, and that's Jerusalem. And what did he do? He wept over it. I tell you, friend, what a scene this is. What a scene this is. The Shekinah glory in the flesh, standing as he's looking over Jerusalem. And when he beheld the city, friends, listen, he wept. He wept. Tells us there in verse 44, and he spoke these words, speaking of the destruction of Jerusalem, and they shall lay thee even to the ground, and thy children with thee, and they shall not leave in thee one stone upon another. Look what it says. Because thou knewest not the time of thy one visitation. Friends, g- genuinely and sincerely this morning, corporately, nationally, but just just individually, I want to just ask you this morning, do you need a visitation of the Lord? Just individually, you know, so often we can think it's a way out there. I've been so challenged. But just in your own heart, in your own life, and in your own home. I to ask you this morning, do you need a visitation of the Lord? I tell you, friends, I need a visitation of the Lord. I want a visitation of the Lord. I, 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 friends, we speak to him every day. We read his word. We pray. We walk with him. But I know this morning that the days in which we're in, we need a fresh visitation of the Lord. And so he comes and he beholds the city. Can I tell you something, friends, just like the church of the Laodicea, he knows, he knew intimately every church of Asia Minor. He knew the in-workings, the out-workings, and every minute detail, every member and every part. And he comes right into the midst of every church. And he, and he examines and he looks and his desire is what? That he would what? That he would draw them. That he would revive them. That he would encourage them. That he would strengthen them. That he would pour out his spirit in the midst of them. That they would walk with him. That he would give them the faith, his faith, that overcomes. Friends, this morning I want to ask you very simply, but as he comes to visit us, to visit his people, as he looks upon us, Maybe not miss our day of visitation. Maybe not be so caught up in the things in the world. That world is going to try to distract us with everything. All that's going on, all the goings on, and all the, the news and everything is pumping out. And here we go again. And now they're driving it forward and all the things that come with it. But I want to tell you, friends, we just need a visitation. We need the Lord to come. We need the bread of life to break through. We need a visitation of the Lord. That's what we need, friends. She heard that the Lord had visited his people by giving them bread. Do you know, there's a a wonderful parable that the Lord tells, and it's over in Luke chapter 11. And if you could turn just over to that chapter for a moment. There's a man here in Luke chapter 11, and why do we need a visitation? Maybe some would say I'm not too sure whether we do, but I I passionately believe we need a visitation of the Lord. Luke chapter 11, it's crucial because at this time, just so you know about the parable, the disciples are asking the Lord about prayer, teaches how to pray. We want to pray, we've witnessed how you pray, we want to pray, but you see, in Luke chapter 11, this whole, this whole parable comes to life by a friend that comes at midnight. A friend comes at midnight. And when that friend comes at midnight, he's looking something. He's looking for bread. That's what he's searching for. And when he comes on the door of that home, the man realizes that he had no bread to give him. He didn't have the bread. But thank God he knew where he could get the bread. That's really important. Now you know this morning, just for those again, maybe you don't are not aware of it, the midnight hour is a crucial time. It's so important that you hear this really especially those perhaps that aren't walking with the Lord or not as close to the Lord as you should be or in a backslidden state. But listen very carefully. The midnight hour is a crucial time in Scripture. It's a crucial time in time, the midnight hour. If you want to know what's going on in the last six months, if you want to understand what's taking place in the nation's and the chastisement and the judgment of God that's taken place and the shaking not only in the nations but there's a tremendous shaking amongst God's people. Isn't there? There's a tremendous shaking amongst the people of God. You see, one it's beginning to reveal really is does the church with all its modern stuff and all the stuff that we have, thank God for that, with all the advancements that we've made in a material way, in a technology and everything else, all the great things that we have today. But has the church got bread? That's the real question. Has the church, they might have many things. We have many things and thank God for those things. I'm not saying we shouldn't have them, but really the real question that we should all be able to answer tonight is, have we got bread? Because there's a world that's looking bread. Bread. And it's now, listen carefully, it's now, I want you to hear me friends, it's now the midnight hour. We are approaching, if it were to look at a clock this morning, I would believe that we're just right on the midnight hour. We're just right at the moment. We, we're fastly approaching in the scripture what that midnight, midnight hour really is. You know, it's a time when God That midnight hour has always been a time symbolizing when God comes, when he brings his people out. It always speaks. If you go back to Exodus chapter 12, it tells us in verse 29 that at midnight, the Lord smote all the firstborn of the land and the firstborn of Pharaoh that sat on the throne under the firstborn of the captive that was in the dungeon and all the firstborn of the cattle. And that night, God's people left Egypt. What's it speaking of? Well, we know it's speaking of God's great redemptive plan in setting people free. But it's also speaking of the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ when this world, which is Egypt, which is the world, that is the world, when God is going to come and burst through the clouds for his people and the dead in Christ shall rise first and we that remain shall be gathered up with them to meet the Lord in the air. We're about to. To meet the Lord. It's the midnight hour. It's the midnight hour. It's close friends. Listen carefully. It's so close. We're right into the, the, the last run of so many things. We're, we're, we're within reach and distance. If you like of the, the, the race that's run. The time that God has given us. if The line is about there. And the church of Jesus Christ. He's about to come for his bride. The bride of Christ. And we're about to be taken out of this world. And we're going to meet the Lord in the air. That's the midnight hour. In the book that we're looking in in Ruth, there's a wonderful picture again. And it's the midnight, Ruth chapter 3 and verse 8. And you'll see it again. Ruth chapter 3 and verse 8. But it says there, as Ruth goes in to where Boaz is, it says, and it came to pass, Ruth 3 and 8, at midnight that the man was afraid And turned himself. And behold this is what it says. And here's a wonderful picture of the bride in Christ. And the woman lay at his feet. The woman lay at his feet. you know what's about to happen friends? We're about to be caught up to meet the Lord. We're that woman. And we're about to lay ourselves at the feet of Jesus. And we're about to worship him forever. And ever and ever. For he's the king of kings. And he's the Lord of lords. It's the midnight hour. You see, it's being ready. Matthew 25 and verse 6. Again, we know this very well, but it tells us of those ten virgins, five wise, five foolish. But Matthew 25 and 6, it says, At midnight there was a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom cometh, go out to meet him. And brothers and sisters, that cry is about to hurl throughout this earth and those that are ready those that have oil in their lamps, those that are the blood bought of Jesus Christ are about to meet the Lord in the air. And there's a cry. Friends, I want to tell you something. I believe that cry is already coming by the Spirit of God. The bridegroom's coming. You see, if you're walking with Him, if you know Him as your own impersonal Savior, I tell you, you don't need to be convinced by the signs, but you'll know by the witness in your spirit that Jesus is about to come. He's about to come. There's a tug in the hearts of God's people. There's an awareness that we're living in the last days. We know we're at the very end of all things. The midnight hour. And the cry is coming. The bridegroom's coming. Go out to meet him. That's the midnight hour. Are you ready? The midnight hour is so significant. But here in Luke 11, if you go back to it. Luke 11 verse 5. Jesus is going to teach us some things on prayer. Luke 11 and verse 5. And he says, which of you shall have a friend and shall go unto him at midnight and say unto him, Friend, lend me three loaves, For a friend of mine is in his journey, has come to me, and I have nothing to set before him. And he from within shall answer and say, Trouble me not, the door is now shut. My children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give thee. I say unto you, though he will not rise and give him, because he is his friend, yet because of his importunity, he will rise and give him as many, as many as he needs. And I say unto you, Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek. And ye shall find, knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth. And to him that knocketh it shall be opened. If a son, many people know that you're a son this morning. You've received the spirit of adoption, and you're the son of God. The son this morning, listen what it says. This, that if a son shall ask prayer of any of you that is a father, would you give your son a stone? Or if he ask a fish, would you give him for a fish, a serpent? Or if he ask you for an egg, would you offer him a scorpion? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? Friends, it's the midnight hour. It's late in the day. Christ is about to come. Just like here in the book of Ruth. She heard that the Lord had visited his people with bread. There was bread in the house. In this midnight hour that we're living, the Lord lays out this parable before us. In this midnight hour that we're living in, friends, there's a knock coming at the door of the believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. There's a knock, listen friends, you need to know this, there's a knock personal and individual. There's a knock corporately to the church, the body of Christ. Whenever the denomination or the label that may be, that's fine. But the body of Christ, those that know the Lord and walk with Him are saved by the grace of God and know that this Christ is a wonderful Savior and He keeps us by His great power. And there's an answer for a lost and a broken world. It's a lost and a broken world. But as we're approaching the midnight hour, we're finding here that there's a knock comes at the door. Now, you might might want to ignore that knock. You you might want to carry on just with religious activity. You might want to carry on by just doing the outward motions of church life. You you might want to try to ignore the knock that's getting louder as we're approaching the end of all things because God is not willing that any man should perish. But as the knock is getting louder, it seems that many are wanting to ignore the reality of the day, the great commission that Christ has given us. Is this still the great commission of the church of Jesus Christ. That we have to go into all the world. And preach the gospel to every creature. The knock. They're knocking. Friends they're knocking. They're knocking. They're all around us. They're looking. They're knocking. And they're coming to the house of God. They're coming to the church of God. Even in these days. And sadly so many churches. just re- Just decide to close up shop. And just go home. And thank God for online and everything else. But friends, there's nothing like a local assembly in the midst of a community. With the answer to the word that Jesus sets the prisoner free. There's nothing like a place where they might think everything about us and they might have all types of opinion. But I want to tell you, friends, there's nothing like it when you're walking through these doors this morning into the house of God with a song in your heart with praise to God. As the blood bought, we are not off this world, but we are in this world and we have an answer for the world. And they're coming knocking. We need bread. We need bread. You know, sadly, they're so in darkened and so confused and so broken. And the depths of sin, friends, the depths that people are getting into in sin. It's evil beyond evil. It's wicked beyond wicked. There's never been a day like it for the depths of sin that we're witnessing in our streets and in our nation. And friends, I don't care how how wicked that nation becomes. I know that there's a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins. And when sinners plunge beneath that flood, they lose all their guilty stains. Power of the blood of Jesus to set the vilest offender free. So the knock's coming, friends. The knock's here. There's a knock at the door. There's a knock in our hearts. There's a knock in our homes. There's a knock in our workplace. There's a knock in the church. And they're asking, is there bread? Have you bread in your house? you know what that speaks of? That speaks of a daily. Give us this day. Our daily. You know, we can't borrow from 30 years ago. We can't give them moldy bread. We can't give them something that's dead and steel. And we've lost the joy of our salvation. I'm not saying this in any way to condemn anybody. But friends, they want a fresh reality of who Jesus is. A fresh demonstration of the living reality that Christ is alive. That he sets prisoners free. We can't give them moldy bread. And so they're knocking. They're looking. You know they are. They're looking for bread. The creators and such were some of we. Their minds are so overcome by the powers of darkness, by suicidal thoughts, they don't even know what they're looking for. They're so confused. They don't even know who they are. They don't even know if they're a man or a woman. They don't even know what they were born and the world and the world has influenced them to bring them into a place where they've lost everything of the wonder that they're made in the image of God. They're fearfully and wonderfully made, they're precious, and God sent his son to die for all men. They don't even know they've lost their identity. You see, that is. One of the final give-ups, friends, where men don't even recognize that we've been made male and female. It is demonic. This is not to beat anyone over the head. This is not to, to go after any particular group this morning, friends. It's the opposite. It's to say we have an answer For the rage that's in those young people. They don't know where to turn. They don't know what to do. They're so gripped by the power of Satan and darkness. But friends this morning. He is the same yesterday, today and forever. But we got to give them what? Do we give them an argument? Do, Do we give them a list of things that they need to do? Do we give them a program? Do we we send them off, ship them off somewhere? And hopefully someone over there will be able to help them. There's a knock at the door of the house of God. Just like this man here. And he had a friend who was in great need. He needs bread. But you know, this man was so honest. He was so real. He says, I didn't have anything to give him. But thank God he knew where to go. You see, friends, that's what's happening today. The church needs to know where to go. We, know we need to know who to turn to. We can't create another method, another scheme, another plan, another new idea, another book out about how we should do it. Friends, we need to go to the throne of grace because there you're going to find everything that you need and much more. If you, being a son, and if your son, sorry, asked bread of a father, would you give him a stone? If he's asking for a fish, would you give him a serpent? If he's asking for an egg, would you give him a scorpion? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, is what he says. How much more shall your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to them? That ask. Listen. What's he saying there? You see the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost. Is going to bring all the revelation. Of the fullness of Jesus Christ. The riches of his glory. The provision of the cross. All revealed to us by the spirit. It's not by might nor by power. But by my spirit. saith the Lord. He'll give us the showers of blessings. He'll give you what you need. But he's the God of the much more. He'll give you Plenty. That you have something then to offer this world. That we have something to say to them. That Jesus is the answer. It's a living reality. It's a relationship. It's the power of God to set you free. No matter what they say to us. No matter how dark it is. No matter how much sin that they're in. Simply friends. The blood of Jesus Christ is able. I've got bread for you. Spread in the house. Naomi heard the whisper. Into your heart, Naomi. The Lord has visited His people with bread. I tell you, friends. I would say she she was like we Jacob this morning, dancing up and down that aisle. I'm gonna go back. I mean, my experience has been better. I've been through some deep trials, but I praise God this morning. Listen, Ruth Orba, you wanna come with me? You can Orba? Listen, no, no, we'll we'll no, no. We're going to go to... No, no, we want to go with Ruth. I'll go with you. Orpah, I'll go with my people. But Naomi, she says, I'm going back. Why? Because there's bread there. And she got up and she came. I want to tell you, friends, I believe there's a host of people. I believe this with all my heart this morning. I believe there's a host of people all around us that are just waiting to hear the words that Naomi heard. Hey, Naomi, there's bread in that house. There's life. There's Christ. There's everything you need for your life and what you're looking for. You're going to find it because these people have bread. I want to tell you, friends, they're not interested in our denominations, they're not interested in our religious activity. They're not interested. And the sad thing is in this lukewarm age in the church where we have everything, but actually we have nothing. We have everything materially, but Jesus says you have nothing. But all we need to give them, friends, is the bread of life. There's a knock, and it's getting louder. You can try to ignore that knock, but I believe it's the passion and the heart of Jesus Christ the passion of the Father himself to go into the highways and the byways because you see it's the last days and the last day believers in the highways and the byways and compel them to come in. There's bread in his house. We need the bread of heaven. The challenge really is this morning is this, friends. Have we got the bread that they're looking for? I want to tell you, friends, I believe the church of Jesus Christ needs bread, daily bread. And he's willing to give us it. He said, I'll give you the much more. If we're willing to be honest like this man in the parable, Lord, we need the bread. I want to tell you something. He'll give you the Holy Ghost and he'll give you everything that you need. There's a world that need to hear there's bread in this house. There's bread in this house. Thank God the living bread's among us this morning. Let's stand together.